Have you ever found yourself serving a midnight charcuterie to your toddler in bed as a bribe to get them to go to sleep? No? (laughs) Well, I've done some desperate things in my day, but my sister Shelly takes the cake and has catered to some pretty crazy demands in a desperate attempt to get a child to go to bed. Well, today, child sleep expert Lauren Olson of Sleep and the City is doing a bit of an intervention with Shelly to help her develop more appropriate sleep routines. And she's answering some of your toddler sleep questions from our Mom Force Facebook group. Are you looking for real life, tried and true tips and tricks to help with all the nitty gritty stuff of mom life? Well, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Mom Force. Vanessa here with my little sis, Shelly. And you know why I asked you to join me today, Shell? Yes, I do. It's because you got some crazy sleep problems going on over at your house with your littles. Yes, I've had a couple of crazies and I currently have my fifth crazy who is putting me in the torture chamber every single night. It's <laughs> well, true. you are in luck because today we have the perfect person with us to help you and so many of the mamas on our Mom Force Facebook group. Please welcome our special guest and child sleep expert, Lauren Olson. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Portland, Oregon, and it's actually sunny here, believe it or not, which never happens. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a good Friday. Yay! That is something to celebrate. Yeah. That's so awesome. Okay, Lauren, I am fascinated by the title Child Sleep Expert. How exactly do you become an expert? I mean, I've had seven babies and lots of experience, but in no way would I ever call myself an expert. Sure. Yeah, I work in Orange County. When I had my first baby, my office was filled with other first-time parents. And I would see the, you know, and I was pregnant, and I would see all these people walking around with like black circles under their eyes and like six-shot espressos. And I was like, I (laughs) don't think I can operate like that. Like I can barely operate, you know, off like one cup of coffee. So I can't imagine throwing a baby into it. Then I had my baby and I feel like it was almost like my destiny. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to get this baby to sleep. So I really dove into pediatric sleep and all the ins and outs and, and, you know, reading all the books that everyone suggests, you know, Googling baby sleep schedules. But you know what I didn't find is that once I got through one of the baby sleep books and my newborn son has just napped for 20 minutes after I rocked him for like 45 minutes just to get there. There was nobody in the back (laughs) of the books. Like, hello, I need a number. There was just nobody to reach out to. I found a program just out of the UK to become certified in sleep consulting. I was like, okay, I think I have the answers. It was all just a weird, beautiful mess how it happened where I just saw this need. And then the more I dove into it, I started to really learn the ins and outs of pediatric sleep through the science of it. So what are the baby's bodies? telling us and you know where are their neurological advancements and developments how does that affect sleep and then behavior how is what we do as parents molding what a baby expects at in the middle of the night when they're waking up and so it was almost like after working with my son I started helping other people and then people in the office and you know I mean to this day you can still find me with that six shot of espresso in hand but it's not because I have to have it, you know? Yeah. One of my questions was going to be that, did you find a lot of the stuff that you share with your people from the experience you had with your son? 
not just from all this education, but like hands-on experience. Yeah. So my son, okay, I'll feel the dagger eyes coming through the microphone, but he was sleeping eight hours by eight weeks. He was sleeping 11 hours by three months. However, his napping daytime was a complete disaster. So I couldn't get him down in his crib. I would rock him, rock him, rock him for 45 minutes. I remember like almost wanting to fall asleep and it, oh, it was, it was, it was long. You know, it was a long day. And you put him down in the crib and immediately his eyes popped open, you know? And I'm like, but uh, you know, sleep begets sleep. I get it. I've heard that. If he's sleeping so well at night, why isn't he sleeping so well during the day? And then it's this vicious cycle you fall into. If they don't sleep well during the day, then it affects your nights and vice versa. And so I, being, being the type of person I am, I'm like, oh, I just need to get on top of this. I need to understand this. But there's no, there was no one to reach out to. And then when I had my daughter, it was the flip. Awesome napper. But then she'd wake up at night. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And that's when I enrolled. I personally read some of the books and I found some of them helpful. But mm-hmm. there's always the... There's always the outlying experience that the book is not covering. Like, you don't understand. This is my child, and this is what's happening, and I need specific help. And so, hallelujah, there's people like you out there. Yeah, and Vanessa has yeah. says she has seven kids. I have five, and every child sleeps differently. Every mm-hmm. single child does. And so to write a book and not have someone like you to reach out to and really, like, address the individual needs— it does feel right. like it's falling on deaf ears because there's no, I mean, it's different. Every kid is different. It's just the way it is. Exactly. And, you know, I try to help as many people as I can. I have guides for purchase on my website. And sometimes people are like, oh, they're so long. And I'm like, well, they're long because I know there's so many what ifs out there. Sometimes this one wakes up early. And then sometimes this one doesn't take their fourth nap of the day when clearly they need it. And there's just so right. many what ifs because it's like a humongous sleep puzzle. Some pieces with some kids are going to just naturally fall into place without you doing anything. But then there's going to be pieces of that puzzle missing that we have to, you know, maybe help them get into place. Sleep regression is truly a real thing. My baby used to sleep well. I had the snoo and I don't know how you feel about the snoo. I thought it was amazing because my babies need all the shush, swaddles, sway, all the S's. He slept really well until he hit his actual crib at six months. And then it was like all bets were off. We got him pretty good with going down with a bottle. But, you know, we would go two or three months with him sleeping okay. And here we are, fast forward to 18 months. He's actually 19 months now. And he is the cutest thing. And it's a crazy how when you wake up in the morning, you forgive them for everything they've done to you. But uh, at night, he is horrible. So he last night. It's actually, this conversation couldn't come at a better time. Last night was the ultimate. So we got him down. I'm at this point where I've decided I can't do the cry out method. I'm too much of a wimp and this baby will poop his diaper every single time I let him cry for too long. And then I'm plagued with guilt and it's no bueno. So I've been trying for the last couple of months a no cry method where I am in the room with him while he gets down to do his initial falling asleep for the night. I'll rock him with his bottle, put him in his crib, and I'm there. At, you know, I, a couple nights I had to like touch him, lean over the crib, arms falling asleep. But now I can just sit in the seat next to him and he'll fall asleep. He sleeps for his first stretch of about four hours and then he starts waking up. And last night, Lauren, he had five bottles last night. Five bottles of almond milk. And it was just, they were, they're not full bottles because I don't want to have to change, you know, 19 diapers. But I you did, and I was up five times last night with him. 
giving him his bottle, patting him on his bottom, and getting him back to sleep. I have a feeling Lauren is not going to approve of the way you're getting this child to sleep. <laughs> Lauren. I know. Come so, on. Set her straight. Tell so, her. I mean, there's some nights, there's one, some nights there's two, but last night was the ultimate. And I mean, just to slap it, slap myself in the face here real quick, I got in my bed after the fourth time I woke up and two of my little boys had gotten out of their bunk bed and in my spot. And so I went oh, round no. robin and got in their bed. I know. So I woke up this morning and told my husband, that was a nightmare, and this couldn't be a better day because I'm going to talk to this sleep therapist. That's what I've been calling you, by the way. You're my sleep therapist now. So, well, first of all, you know, there's no crazy stories. Like, I've heard it all, yeah. and I guarantee you that it's not the craziest I've heard. Do you know what I mean? So don't yeah. think by any means. And especially in a household, you know, with, I would even say, like, three-plus kids. You know, you yeah. might be in for it, right? Yeah. Well, hey, if you want crazy... Let me just tell you what she did with her younger kids to get them to sleep. They would only fall asleep with charcuterie in their bed. Oh my gosh, sausages, smoked sausages and they cheeses. Were begging for pepperonis to fall asleep. And I'd say, fine, just only tonight, not tomorrow. I mean, that, and I'd bring them slightly crazy. I would bring them pepperoni. I would bring them cheese. Yeah. I would bring them all the things. But those I'll people are spending the night now. at your house. <laughs> because they're 10 and 12. Before bed. Or charcuterie <laughs> board before bed. Oh my gosh. That's so nice. It's yeah, my daughters needed the salty meats before they could fall asleep. Okay, ridiculous. Go ahead. Um, okay, that's amazing. So, he doesn't. He doesn't take string cheese to bed yet. Really quick. So I don't do any food after seven p.m. or an hour before bedtime for my toddler moms, just because there's naughty, nasty things we don't necessarily want them to have that's going to compete against their bodies for sleep. So with that said. There are things that contain tryptophan, cherries, bananas, dairy. All of these things will naturally help their bodies to become drowsy. So think about that. I always do bananas. If babies or not necessarily babies, but toddlers absolutely need a snack, that's going to be your go-to. Back to 18-month-old, I'm a big fan of the snoo and what they offer in terms of safe sleep and all that. So I don't necessarily think that's where you went wrong. I will tell you that when a baby does regress, oftentimes that is coupled with increased night wakings and the parent then thinking to themselves, if my baby's crying, well, this isn't normal. They must be hungry. So then you're yeah. reintroducing another feed where maybe it didn't exist for the past month or two. This happens a lot with the four-month regression, right? Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. distraction during the day can cause them to eat less. So you'll want to make sure when you are feeding them, it's in a very boring area, usually their room, something they're used to looking at all the time with no siblings and no animals in the room yeah. with you. Okay. So adding mm -hmm. those feeds back in, that's what they become accustomed to once they go through a sleep cycle or two and they wake up and they're like, okay, I know my routine. I yell out for mom. She brings me a bottle. I go back to sleep. What then starts to happen is something called reverse cycling where baby then begins to get the bulk and or a portion of his daily caloric intake at night. So, yeah. you know, for us as moms and dads, we get our, we get a hundred percent of our caloric intake during the day. I get what you're saying. We get to the point where the baby now is expecting food and their body's used to eating through the night. So they're not eating during the day as much. And that's the routine that they've come to expect and love. So then when you start to say, I have a new idea for you, here's what's going to happen. We're not going to do milks anymore every three hours. My little 18 month old who's been cleared by a doctor to go all night. 
they're going to push back on you. So I don't ever really do cry it out because here's what happens when you do cry it out or a controlled crying sort of method is that oftentimes they cry so much at bedtime and so much at night that they wake up at their normal time and they're so overtired that then it leaks into your day. Their sleep tank isn't filled up. And thus the naps become shorter. Then you start putting them to bedtime earlier and then they wake up at 5 a.m. And then this whole cycle repeats. When I was really, really new, I was really working on the controlled crying. And then as I just became more experienced at this profession, I was like, okay, this just isn't the answer because it causes so many other problems in the back end. And with an 18-month-old, once they're over 18 months, they can go for the gold. They have that stamina where they could just scream for hours and hours and hours. And they so, have words where they say, Mommy, Mama, Mama, <laughs> Mommy, help me. me. Yes. Mommy. And, yeah. And they start throwing themselves. One of my boys would throw themselves out of the crib. He couldn't quite get out of the crib, but he could get up to the edge and throw himself over. And then he'd start sticking his hands under the door. I mean, there's so many things that could happen if you were to wait. And I, I yeah. just tell people there's no point in waiting to see if they'll resettle you, you're pretty much going to them at that point, especially if they're in a toddler bed, especially if they're at the age where they could possibly get out of the crib or they showed signs of being able to get out of the crib. Yeah. He's falling asleep with you there, correct? He is. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been a couple of nights where where I've been able to walk out before he's actually asleep, but he's like basically almost asleep. But I've been trying to just like disappear sooner, you know? Great. I think that's perfect. 18 months old is a really nice age to work with because I feel like you don't get too much pushback, but you still have a little bit of your work cut out for you. I do believe that it gets trickier the older they get because they can remember things longer. Their memory is a little better. You know what I mean? You can't redirect them as quickly, right? So however a child is used to falling asleep, that's how they're going to want to be once they go through a sleep cycle technically from a science standpoint, there's no such thing as sleeping through the night because even as adults, we wake up all night long. However, we're so good at putting ourselves back to sleep that we often don't remember waking up all night long, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're falling asleep next to your husband, for example, and then in the middle of a sleep cycle, your deep sleep, he picked you up and moved you to the neighbor's house, right? You wake up. I would be freaking out. Mm-hmm. You, could you imagine what you would go through? No, oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, the range of emotions you go through. So it's not that quite dramatic in your case because, you know, your baby still is waking up in the same room. However, he wakes up. He's like, oh, same crib. Oh, same room. Oh, and there's mom. Wait, mom's not there. Now I'm going to yell out for her. But if you want him to f- wake up at night and get used to you not being there, then you've got to get him being used to you not being there when he falls asleep in the first place. Easier said than done, though. This is the challenge. When I go in there and see him at night, this is why I'm giving him the bottle, because he doesn't take a pacifier. And this is his soothing method, is a bottle. Mm -hmm. What do I do? I'm not, like, in the huge camp of cold turkey on anything when it comes to sleep, just because... You know, I have two toddlers myself and I've gone through it and I've worked with, you know, thousands of people and cold turkey, again, it's kind of like cry it out. It brings on a lot of tears and it's really stressful for everybody. So what I would do when you are working on weaning from an association, 
especially the sucking association. So um, a mother that wakes up at night and offers the breast and the baby falls asleep within 30 seconds to a minute, you know, that might be that sucking association. That is so much more difficult to break than a rocking or a padding situation. Okay. Because at least they don't physically have something in their mouth that they're working on. They're just maybe being held or they're laying in the crib, but you're padding, you know, their booty or whatever it may be. So what I like to do is I almost like to wean from one association, introduce another one, and then wean from that one. Instead of you going in and offering a bottle now, like whatever happens after he drinks that bottle, for the next three nights, you're only offering half the bottle and then doing what you do. And then on the fourth night, he gets maybe a sip of water and that's it. And then you're doing what you do. And then a couple nights from now, you are just going to do what you do. No liquids at all. Something like that. Yeah. So you're just sort of naturally weaning from it. You're replacing it with, oh, no, no, no. Mama's just going to come visit you and tell you you're okay. And then I'm going to leave the room again. And then you would then begin to work on removing yourself from the room. However, you yeah. can do this all at once, but there's going to be a lot of tears. There's so many ways to do something. It's just all about the journey to get you there. You're going to sort of get the same results, but you know, it's your journey and you know your child best. Yeah. Each kid is individual. So are each individual mothers. They're totally different. There's five sisters here. All of these sisters, we do completely different things with our babies at night. And even looking at the Mom Force Facebook group, yeah. so yes. many people wrote in, especially about this age. For example, Taylor, she says, my little boy is two and a half and has always been the most perfect sleeper. But suddenly the last few weeks, he's been waking up 10 times during the night crying. And now no one is sleeping. I'm not sure what to do. We just can't let him cry because he's so loud and screams and wakes up his baby sister. Will I ever sleep again? Help. Is there like one answer or, or how would you counsel Taylor or Nashua or Aaron or Emily or any of the many people that had the same issue? Right. Well, a lot of it is working with not only the temperament of the child, but the mom's comfort level as well. I have to get a real feel. I mean, you know, in my best overall case scenarios, I get a real feel for your social schedule and your work schedule and the child's temperament. And then, you know, your threshold for the tears. Like, do you want something quick? It's going to be met with a lot of tears up front. Do you want something more gradual and hands-on? Then, you know, maybe we can minimize that. And so... My answers are never really the same for every single situation because there's so many factors coming into play. Like the one, two and a half year old that's waking up 10 times during the night crying, it could be because they just moved into a new home or it could be they just started at a new daycare or it could be because a baby was just born and they're waking up in the middle of the night because that is the only one-on-one -on -one time they're now getting with mom, mm, right? So you, you have to know so much of the story to give accurate advice. And that's why I'm so big on like on my social media channels. Whenever anybody asks me a question or comments or DMs me, uh, you're getting me. Like it's not a bot or an automated answer because there's just so many factors that come into play. I would definitely say though, you know, when it comes to a two and a half year old having sleep regressions, you know, two and a half, again, there could be another sibling being born. Uh, nightmares start to become a little bit more sequential closer to three years old. Two and a half year old, there's a potty training going on, or maybe they're looking at preschools or maybe dad's away on work more often. Cause typically, you know, when you have a two and a half year old, you're just in my age range of moms that I typically deal with, the dad's still traveling a lot because, you know, they're in maybe an entry or a media 
level position with work. So there's a lot of travel involved. You know what? This is what makes this age and stage so unique is there there's like psychological factors like a newborn and yes. a little baby. It's just it's physical needs. You just got to make sure that they're fed it's and more biological, and neurological. And then when you deal with toddlers, some way more heavily weighted with the behavioral side. Yes. And highly emotional because it taps into your heartstrings. You're yeah. like, wait, yeah. he's he's calling for help. Yeah, He's totally. panicked. He needs me. Yeah. And the closer they are to four, their own emotions frighten them. So if they're upset, they can get even more upset at themselves being upset because they aren't quite sure how to process those emotions. They don't typically understand what's happening. So it's really important to, you know, address those and talk to them and call it, you know, I see that you're upset. Can you tell me more about that? And then they can then communicate that to you. Okay, I have a question about something specific. So this was also on the Mom Force Facebook group, and it's from Brittany. And she says, I need help. Okay, great. My almost two-year-old daughter used to be a dream sleeper. Well, yesterday, I laid her down at my mom's, and my mom's sound machine started to run out of batteries. And in this creepy voice, it said, batteries, low, please replace. That <laughs> was so creepy. Batteries. Maybe it didn't sound like that. I don't or know. Batteries. But it was creepy enough that ever since, she refuses to go to bed or nap without screaming hysterically. Will she ever go back to her happy and sleepy self? What would you say to Brittany? Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. I don't, I don't like creepy voices. <laughs> what about sleep machines? And then also, if your child experiences a little trauma like that, how do you get past that and go back to normal? Yeah, I'm with a two-year-old on this one. Okay, so <laughs> white noise machines. So they are great. I have a specific white noise machine that I absolutely love up and down. I hope it's okay to say it. It's from Hatch. It's the rest. It's so great because it's a three-in-one. It's a nightlight. It's a white noise machine. The white noise machine is great all throughout childhood. The nightlight is great for breastfeeding moms and or toddlers. And then the third component is an okay to wake clock. So for my older kids, especially the ones that are in toddler beds and visiting you all night long, it stays a specific color that you program via your smartphone to let them know that it's still nighttime. And then it changes colors. Yeah, I, th I think it's such a helpful item that I've used with a lot of my toddlers and I, and I, I have them myself and I'm a huge believer in them and they plug into the wall. So their batteries are never going to go low. We're never going to have creepy voices. <laughs> yeah. So, and I love white noise machine. I still sleep with it. Some people ask me, should we wean off of it? I love it. It blocks yeah. out all that unsolicited noise you don't want to deal with or, you know, baby brother down the hall screaming, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. with children that have sort of been traumatized by something, I saw a weird shadow Oh, yeah. My daughter used to be freaked out about the moonlight. Yeah. Like she just couldn't take it. Goldie saw the Muppets when Constantine, remember like, Kerm okay, you probably don't remember this, but Kermit <laughs> has this guy who pretends to be him and he's he looks oh, exactly like, like Kermit, Kermit with the mole. Yes. And Goldie, this is when she was like six. She said she saw Constantine <laughs> in her room, hunched over, like scurrying across her room. And it was for sure just a shadow or like just a figment of her imagination. But she was dead set every night. Mom, what if Constantine's in here? Yeah, she's creepy too. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know. I'm like, turn that off. I'm going to have bad dreams if I watch Constantine. Yes. You know, yeah, as a totally. 30 something year old, I'm like, no thanks. Yes. <laughs> Although they can dream of scary things starting at two, it's not in a sequence. So they can dream of a monster, but the monster isn't chasing them and then following them into the house until they're closer to three. But when it comes to, you know, the fears of the dark, I don't love the advice where you give them something to combat that thing that scares them. So you'll read online, oh, give a monster spray 
you know, which is a spray bottle. I'm like, hmm. no, 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 hmm. no. Because then you're validating the fact that it exists in yeah. the first place. Right yeah. here, here, here's something to fight Constantine in the middle of the night yeah. comes after you. Like you've got to be freaking kidding me. Okay, but what would you tell them then? How are you validating their feelings without like actually making that monster real? I definitely redirect them. I found at this age, it would take my kids about, I don't know, one to four weeks sometimes to get over this particular singular fear. So you're going to want to be a lot more hands-on. If they wake up in the night, you're going to go to them immediately. Oh, Mm -hmm, you know, creepy Kermit's twin or whoever you said in the corner. You're going to say, Kermit's twin's not real, honey. It's time to go to bed. And you redirect them. I really like to give toddlers a worry item. So do you guys remember those dream sticks from when we were little? I call them dream sticks. They're like magic wands that have like glitter in them. Mm -hmm. And you can like turn them up and down. You know, I give my son that. And I'm like, here's a dream stick. If you wake up and you're worried... I want you to look at your dream stick. I want you to hold this rock in your hand and feel mom's love in it. I want you to look at the picture of us and think about what you want to do it tomorrow that would be fun for us to do together. It's just something to redirect them, right? But you might find you might be in the trenches for a little bit until they've moved on from that fear. Okay, I've got another question and this is a little bit of a hot topic, okay. at least based on all of the answers okay. on our Facebook group. Okay, this is about melatonin. And I this love is a hot post topic. from Alicia, and she says, Okay, moms, no judgment, Uh-oh. but I want to know how many of you have used melatonin to help your kids sleep. She says, My son is almost four, and it seems like no matter how tired mm-hmm. he is, he will toss and turn in bed until 11. Melatonin helps him fall asleep so quickly that it's been a lifesaver, especially mm-hmm. with the new baby that came recently, but even after a few months of using it to try and create a habit of falling asleep earlier, he still can't fall asleep without it. And I'm concerned about using it regularly Mm -hmm. long-term. All right, Lauren. So I get questions about melatonin all the time. Again, I don't give medical advice, obviously, but I, I will give you my opinion, like a mom to mom opinion. So I don't love melatonin on a regular basis because yes, it does sort of shut off the receptors in the brain where we naturally produce melatonin. How you can naturally speed up the production of melatonin is having a bedtime routine that lasts 60 minutes and your last 30 minutes is done in low dim lighting. This is like 40 watt bulb or less. So if your you know, child's in his or her room reading a book, you've got to have a table lamp on. No overhead light, no TVs, no halogen lights no smartphones, no iPads. Okay. That's going to naturally get it going. I suspect here that there's a lot more going on than maybe what she was able to type in the amount of time that she had, because almost four means he's probably not napping. Therefore he could be overtired, which then the body almost reacts against you and it keeps him up later. I don't recommend it because I like to find the root of the problem first right? Because I feel like it is a little bit of a band-aid, a quick fix. The one time that I do use it for my own children, right? Mom to mom. When my kids are really sick, like with a cough or a stuffy nose, that's keeping them up all night. And we talk to our doctor and they, you know, they let us have a cough syrup. One of the ingredients is a really small dosage of melatonin. It does help them fall back to sleep more quickly in the middle of the night when they're waking up so much from coughing. And it does shorten the time of the illness. So, but again, that's maybe like three days max, but I'm never recommending it to fall asleep in the first place. 
you mentioned dimming the lights. Yeah. Are there any other things that we should be thinking about with our toddlers specifically for routines that will set up for success? Sure. So with routines, you want them to be extremely consistent. Okay. So it's seven o'clock. You guys have five minutes until the kitchen closes and we're going upstairs. One minute until the kitchen closes and we're going upstairs. So no more snacks, right? After the kitchen closes is what I mean. Okay. At 7 p.m. It's up to bed. I'm even to this day, you guys. Okay. My kids get it by now, but I think it's more of a reminder for my husband than anybody else. Okay, guys, it's 730, which means your teeth need to be brushed now because you've only got 15 minutes left if you want me to read a book. Oh, you guys have... Okay, you guys have 13 minutes left. Come on, guys. Like, I almost use like the time as the boss. That way I have something to blame it on. So they're not so mad at me. And then there's not the mom guilt when you say, no, I can't read a book. It's like, we ran out of time. Next time we need to brush your teeth faster. Yeah. Right. And then remind them the next day, you know, remember we have to be kind of quick about brushing our teeth. If you want to read that book with mommy, so go brush your teeth quick, you know? Yeah. So you're making them excited about it. And the more you do this routine, the more it's just about reminding them when to do it. And you just let them know your expectations prior and it's going to be huge. So say you've got the routine nailed down, but they're waking up in the middle of the night. What are your go-to tips, tricks, strategies for these kids that are just waking up in the middle of the night? With our toddlers, especially the ones that are in toddler beds, sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night, they aren't sure what to do, and they're going to come find us. Now, wouldn't that just be your natural reaction as a child? But then as a mom, you're like, what are you doing? It's 3 a.m., right? So you really, what you'll want to do is, again, you're going to let them know of your expectations ahead of time. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your white noise machine, which is that rest I was talking about, and it's still red. It's not time to wake up. If you need me, you need to call out for me and I will come. Okay. Because a lot of the times what happens is these toddlers that wake up at 5 a.m. and the parent says, okay, just come into my bed. Then they start waking up at 3 a.m. to come into your bed. And then they start waking up at 1 a.m and coming into your bed. And then you're bed sharing with them in their room until the end of time. Right. So it's a real slippery slope with toddlers. So if you just let them know, look, coming into my room is not an option. Okay. Getting into my bed, this is mine. Cuddles, watching TV, that's fine. But for sleep, this is just for mommy and daddy. So before they go to sleep, you set the expectations. Absolutely. And then for the older kids that are going through it, maybe some incentive is not a bad idea either. And I talk about this a lot on my social and in my guides, you know, setting some reward system up. If you slept all night and you did exactly what I asked you to, you get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. And it repeats on and on and on. I love it. And if the baby is too small, like my child, I'm going to have to slowly wean him from the things that I've been doing, like the bottle and then the tapping and the padding and then even just my presence. So I know my threshold. I know that it's not very high and I, it just needs to be a slow wean and it's just going to take time for these little babies. Right. And just to be patient, you know, the ads and everything, it's like, oh, your baby will sleep in three nights. And it's like, well, you know, maybe you're going to start to see some results. But honestly, with our toddlers, 18 months and up, you're looking more like seven to 10 days, yeah. you know, versus this overnight success. I think those are such great words to close with that it's going to take patience. Yeah. To be patient 
And I also think this is where community can be really important. You've mentioned your community on your Instagram, Sleep and the City. And we also have a community over on our Mom Force Facebook group where you can get strength from other mamas going through this. And it helps to know that you're not alone. Lauren, you are doing important work. Yes, you are. And you've done some good work today here with me and baby Otto. Where can our listeners learn more about you and your programs and everything that you're doing? You can find me over at Sleep and the City on Instagram. I post there daily. It's it's a free resource. I've had people say that they've had great success just from in my Instagram alone. I think that's the best price you can pay, right? It is free. So I also have a lot of resources on my blog as well, a little bit more long form there. And then I also, if you're sort of a DIY type of gal and you want to give this a go by yourself, I do have guides that are immediate download PDFs that you can start tonight and they will walk you through step by step. You can work directly one-on-one with me as well. And that's also on my website, um, which is sleepandthecity.com. So many great resources. We're going to link all of these in the show notes. Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us. I know Shelly might sleep a little better here in the the next 10 days or so. 7 to 19 days. (laughs) All right. We'll for sure do that. Have a great day. Thanks again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was fun. Thank you so much for being here with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and let us know what you think. Also, check out the show notes for links to the things we talked about. And you can find a special chapbooks discount code. All right, we'll see you next week.